investing in property makes sense. Investing in the right property takes knowledge. Welcome to the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. I'm Jared McCabe, Director of Wakeland Property Advisory. Join me for expert insights into the fundamentals, trends and opportunities to help you create long-term wealth through smart property decisions. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 52 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. So it appears as though the property market may be um, moving into recovery mode, and it's probably sooner than many people may well have anticipated that to be. Recently, CoreLogic's um, National Home Value Index posted that um, we'd had the first month-on-month rise since April 2022, and that was in March, and things were up 0.6%. So not a significant um, increase, but certainly better than the the reductions that we'd been seeing throughout uh, 2022. And this obviously comes as the RBA's provided much-needed reprieve in um, April with the first pause on interest rate rises after 10 consecutive rate rises throughout 22 and into 23. Now, there are expected to be probably further rate rises um, this year, but we're certainly starting to see that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And that's that's seeing that rates will stabilise, which will obviously lead to a bit more confidence in the marketplace, or at least that um, things aren't likely to continue to um, to buffer and uh, make things difficult for uh, for mortgage holders. So, what is likely to drive this recovery going forward, and and should investors and how sorry how should investors really approach this? Um, should they be keen to get back into the market? I think to start with, it's important to have a look um, at things from a historical perspective to try and understand how the market cycles within property work. Uh, and they can be very different different to say share the share market where things can be a little bit more. Um, up and down and all over the place, whereas typically the property market is a little bit more stable and a bit more um, consistent in terms of its um, its movements. We saw um, similar transitions um, have certainly happened in the past, and a good example of that was um, just the period prior to the GFC, which obviously occurred in 2008. Um, and at that point in time, the RBA implemented a series of rate rises again. At that stage, they peaked at around 7.25%. And that was also in response to some fairly strong inflation at that point in time. And so what happened from mid-2007 um, until early 2009, property values fell um, by uh, more than 7% um, from peak to trough. Now, that's not dissimilar to what we saw last year, where there, certainly in Melbourne, things dropped as much or well, certainly over 8%. But back then, the RBA um, then responded by dropping rates quite quickly. And so by March 2009, as a result of that, the, the national property market was back into positive territory. And then it actually surged quite significantly to, to um, by uh, about 12% to December 2009. Now, we've definitely got different economic conditions this time around compared to what occurred then. And we're unlikely to see rates drop as significantly and prices surge as sharply as what they did in 2009. Um, the expectation from our perspective is that the turnaround is more likely to be a bit more slow and steady this time when it does occur, as opposed to that that quick turnaround that we saw in 08, 09. So, inve- and I guess... Another interesting factor that we're seeing at the moment is that really investors haven't played uh, a significant part in the market activity um, for a fair period of time now. They certainly held out of the market during the pandemic when there was economic um, uncertainty and people tended to consolidate um, 
save as much as they possibly could. And those that did buy were more, and, and they were quite friendly, frenzied at different stages, were cashed up home buyers who were looking to um, upgrade homes and were taking advantage of savings that they'd made. Uh, and perhaps the lack of ability to spend money on other aspects of their lifestyle. So given that there was a, uh, particularly in Melbourne, again, uh, the need and requirement that we were locked down and had to stay home, there was a, a, a want for people to be able to spend money on, on home so that they could enjoy their lifestyle while they were spending so much time there. And then obviously prior to the pandemic, um, there was a Royal Commission into the banking sector, which certainly limited the borrowing capacity of, of many investors and made it hard to enter the market um, during that period of time as well, which again, limited their uh, their activity and their drive within the marketplace. So, but what we're seeing going forward now and what um, we feel is likely to form part of the recovery when it does occur is that... Um, there's a number of factors that are likely to entice investors back into the marketplace. Now, I did a webinar with Stuart Weems, um, well, at the moment, it was earlier this week, and, and he was certainly talking a lot about um, the ability for people, uh, for borrowers, um, and, and having a bit more flexibility uh, is likely to start to occur. There's certainly been some easing around restrictions in New Zealand, um, and interestingly enough, we followed their lead when they tightened restrictions um, during the pandemic as well. So, we, we're expecting that there's there's likely to be some easing of um, of borrowings and, and making it a bit more open. So investors that could certainly help. But there's a number of factors that I think will entice them, which I thought we'd go, we can go through now. The first one being, obviously, as we said before, the stabilising of interest rates. And so after those 10 consecutive rises and finally getting the pause in April this year, um, it's that's really going to help things in the second half of the year. Now, there's been some talk that rates may even drop, but that's not probably as likely now. Um, and unless there was a significant economic um, issue that, that occurred. But... I don't think they're necessarily going to be required either. I think the stability um, within that that sector of the economy will, will certainly give people confidence, particularly when there's another a couple of other factors that would make the interest rate rises that have occurred um, be offset by um, rental increases, that sort of thing as well. Um, another key factor that I think will help to bring investors back into the market is um, population growth. Now, the Federal Government Centre for Population expects Melbourne to overtake Sydney by 2031. It was announced earlier this year. Now that's, um, and the expectation is that the uh, the population of Melbourne will be around 6 million at that point in time. Now, there's we've been on that trajectory for some time. The pandemic obviously impacted that and um, gave it a bit of a hiccup, but it certainly seems to be back on track. And, and obviously with that those significant increases in the population, it's likely to mean that we there's a greater need for accommodation, both from a tenancy, but also from a, a home purchasing point of view. Um, and that's obviously going to lead to continued continued pressure on, on rents, which will entice uh, more investors back into the marketplace. Um, the lack of supply that we're seeing at the moment, both again from a purchasing and from a rental point of view in the market, um, and the lack of construction that has occurred during the pandemic and the difficulties around constructing new property um, and then obviously the lag effect of when it does actually start to occur means that supply is not likely to change overnight. We're not likely to see a significant increase in supply um, supply levels 
at a, any point in time in the near future. So that is also likely to continue to put pressure on um, on rents and on uh, on capital values as well, which leads me to the um, the the rental crisis that is getting a lot of coverage at the moment across all forms of media. Um, and that's being driven by any number of factors, as I said, the lack of supply, the increase in population, but also the fact that um, from the pandemic, uh, a lot of short-term accommodation, short-term rental accommodation, Airbnb type type properties are now reverting back to long-term um, or that had reverted to long-term properties are now going likely to go back to short-term. And because of that, it's taking the supply of long-term rentals out of the market as well. Um, said the lag effect of new accommodation being constructed, um, the fact that inflation is really making that difficult. There's more of a demand um, for city living again. Now, that may not necessarily be for permanent city living, but those that perhaps have made the the tree change, sea change, uh, many of them still would like to have a city presence. And whether that's by renting or whether it's by purchasing, it's taking up more and more property as well, um, which again, makes puts pressure on, um, on prices. Um, and the, the saving that a lot of renters wanted to make during the pandemic where people were consolidating their homes, wanting to um, have more share accommodation, perhaps living at home meant that there was more supply. Now that there is a lot more flexibility around movement, people are back to normal in terms of their lifestyle. They've got greater certainty around employment with unemployment levels as low as they are. It, it, that obviously means that people are wanting their own space. So the, the demand for more one and two bedroom apartments, which hadn't been overly strong um, with people wanting their own space, that's certainly been that's certainly picked up pretty significantly as well, which has obviously pushed our vacancy rate down to the, the record lows that we're seeing at the moment. The vacancy rates are sitting at around the 1% mark, which is extremely low. Um, and because of that, again, puts pressure upward pressure on rents and, and, uh, and means that there's a lot more competition around. So this obviously, when you, when you start to get the um, the pressure on rents and, and and values going up, makes it enticing from an investor's perspective. Even if interest rates have risen the way they have in the past twelve months, um, it still means that with rents going up and likely to continue to go up, and with re- um, interest rates stabilising, it's um, it's good signs and 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 good opportunities for investors to get into the market and and help to cover the costs associated with owning a rental property. So these, there's one other factor that I think is really important, particularly from a Melbourne point of view. There was a, um, I've included a graph within the blog. So if you if you only listen to the podcast, if you jump on our website and um, sign up, you'll you'll get a copy of the blog as well as um, the a recording of the podcast when it's released. But the graph that you'll see in the blog shows that um, where Melbourne sits on. Um, accumulative capital growth rating since the pandemic started versus current median dwelling levels. And interestingly, Melbourne, because of the um, the net growth and the, the the initial drop in values that we saw, then the um, the growth and then the, obviously the reductions through 2022, net level wise, the median house price for Melbourne is, um, is really basically at zero since the start of the, the pandemic. There hasn't been a huge amount of, um, of change in values. And if you look at that compared to some of the other cities, Sydney's had um, is about ten, just short of ten percent up, but cities like Adelaide, Brisbane, Hobart, Perth, they're anywhere from twenty up towards forty percent net up on or their median values is is up on um, on what it was pre-pandemic, which is a significant amount of growth. And obviously, that's meant that the uh, the gap between uh, the Melbourne median house price versus the, their median house prices um, has closed considerably. 
Now, it's not likely that any of those those cities are going to go backwards in value, but it, it also means that Melbourne's actually looking like quite good value at the moment in terms of where it sits in comparison to the to um, other cities around the country. It's one of the. Uh, it's likely to be the biggest city in the country within um, within. Uh, about eight, seven or eight years, um, and obviously the the economic influences that it has in the, on a global scale means that it is a um, a highly regarded um, location, and obviously it's been uh, voted many times as one of the world's most livable cities. So there's a lot of upside to Melbourne, and I think there's a lot of potential for the market to have a bit of a kick over the um, the coming uh, the coming months and years. So it's look the recovery is as I said earlier is likely to be more of a steady incline this time round, um, and it may not start significantly from another perhaps six to twelve months, but the signs are definitely there, and it's it's never easy to be a, I guess a trendsetter and be the, one of the f- the first people to get out and, and really stick your neck out and have a go. But I, I do really feel that there could be some some great opportunities to be had, and, and those that are prepared to um, to move sooner rather than later could certainly reap the reap the rewards. So that's about it for today's episode. Um, thanks for joining me for episode 52. Um, as always, share it wide and far with friends, family and colleagues. And if you would uh, like further information on how to make rewarding property decisions, please visit our website, wakeland.com.au. And we wish you all the best with your property decisions. Thanks.